0: Welcome, family of faith amen it's good to see the people of God on this beautiful Sunday morning amen thank you for putting God first on this beautiful day that we could come together in faith and in purpose how many did they know your faith's gonna be built up amen faith I tell people faith is like the currency of the kingdom of God if you want to make transaction with the Lord you're gonna need some faith right look at your neighbor and say you're gonna need some faith You' gonna need some faith baby you're gonna need some faith and we're just trying to help you to be rich in the lord have your faith primed and ready i don't know what's going to happen to you this week i don't know what situation what trials what adversity may come to you this week but i know this if your faith is ready god is going to be able to use you somebody say amen to that and that's our heart to be used of the Lord. I'm looking around and seeing all the beautiful faces here this morning and how, how awesome it is to be in the house of the Lord. We, we are still in the series called The Main Event. Uh, this is the, almost the last message. I've got a message coming up here in the next a couple of days that I believe are just going to be a, a, a ministration. We've got one more place that I want to investigate uh, here uh, next Sunday and then we'll conclude our series entitled The Main Event we are in the main event today and guess where we're at today we are at the covenant amen so we're in genesis chapter 12 we're at the covenant this message brothers and sisters friends family listen i really want you to lay hold of this message if anybody here today hears this message and you want to hear it again we'll give you a free copy of today's message right you can listen to it again maybe two three four times five times ten times Because this, to me, is foundational for all of our walk in the Lord. And I want you to walk in authority and in ability. I want you to walk in the counsel of the Almighty. I want you to walk in ability. Because these are the days, listen, if we're not showing how great God is, the world's not going to see it anywhere else. And so you leave this place with the expectation of shining the glory of God wherever God may be sending you so let's get ready to do that today are you ready this is the last, second to the last message in the series entitled the main event this is the covenant i'm going to ask you to stand with me we're in genesis chapter 12 i'm going to read verses 1 through 5 many of you are already familiar with the covenant and we're going to talk about that today and i just know that as we get into these conversations you are going to be blessed in the name of the lord and then immediately following our message today today we are going to participate In the sacrament we call communion, and I can't think of no better day than for us to celebrate a communion together as we talk about the covenant, which is uh, very much a a process or or a symbol of the very person Christ in the Old Testament. So remember the main event. uh, These are these are expressions of the Lord intervening with men that transcend both of the old and the New Testament. You're going to see the application is for the whole of the Bible. And so here we are again. This is, this is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. If you're really along with me, I would appreciate that. I am in the King James Version of the Bible, and it begins like this. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with them, and Abram was 75 years old. He was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, or I should say, I'm saying Abraham, but it's Abram. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. We're going to stop right there. That's enough for us to get into a place of, of wonderful conversation. Are y'all ready today? Are you ready? So let's not worry about lunch. I know you got plans. And I think today I'm, 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 I'm always a little, shake, a little shaky about what's going on. I, I see that y'all are a little bit more calm because the cowboys don't play till four. So, you know, nobody's rushing to get out of church today. We're going we're gonna to take it slow and take it easy, amen. But I promise the time that you invest uh, today will be of benefit, manifold benefit in the days and weeks to come. Will y'all pray with me? Let's, let's, just, let's just, all of us enter, and let's set aside everything going on this evening to put ourselves right here, right now. Holy Spirit, bring us into the very present time. Uh, bring us into right now. Let every care and duty and thing and obligation that we might have, let it be a million miles away from us. That we might steady our mind and our heart towards the heart of God, His will, His purpose. We pray today that as we enter into this word, that Holy Spirit, you'll produce in this word a work and a manifested work, a a yielding of of, of fruit back into the kingdom of God as this seed is planted uh, on good ground, on pliable ground, on saturated ground, that it'll yield back unto the kingdom of God a hundred times that which was sown. We pray for a hundred times multiplicity in the house of God, that it would be fruitful, that it would be agile, that it would be useful in the hands of the Lord. Blessing over the house of the Lord, blessing over the people of God, blessing over this service and what we're about to do as we move forward in the word. And we pray all of that in the name of Jesus amen and amen listen this is what i need you to do i need you to say something to somebody today and this is what i need you to do. i want you to look at this side of the church look to that side of the church because i don't want you just to stay where you are i want you to go look at somebody on this side and, and say i'm going to go over and this is what i want you to tell i want you to tell you that person you grab, I want you to grab him. I want you to give him a hug, and I want you to tell him you are blessed. Will you go tell him that? Say you are blessed. Go grab him and tell him you are blessed. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go get him. Go say hello. Go say hello. Go say hello. I see baby Abel's in the house of the Lord. Baby Abel, how you doing, man? How awesome it is to see baby Abel in the house of God. Amen. Go grab somebody and tell them, you are blessed. 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 Seth, you're blessed, my man. Libby, you're blessed, Mia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sister Emma, you're blessed back there. Brother Jesse, you're blessed back there. I see you, my man. Lord, you're blessed. Man, we're blessed people. We're going to talk about blessedness today because that's really the root of the covenant. God said, I'm going to bless you. 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 you. It's good to be blessed. You're sitting next to somebody, give them a high five and say, it's good to be blessed. Ah, man, it's good to be blessed. I'm going to talk about that with you. Let me establish with you a foundational verse. A a a verse that, that I might say to you is the bedrock of our faith in God. It's a verse that all of Christendom is very familiar with. It's Philippians 1, six. And being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will be faithful to perform it until the coming of Jesus Christ. Let me repeat that one more time just to make sure I get it down, down deep inside your spirit. Listen to what it says. And being confident of this very thing, this this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the coming of Jesus Christ. God's doing a good work in you. Uh, most Christians have a difficulty in processing just the totality of that verse in their own life, the the, the work of God. Well, well, preacher, what is the work of God? Uh, Could I say that the work of God in you is monumental? Uh, It is miraculous. It It is out of this world, and that God, in his ability, is purposing to produce in you the image of Christ. Let me say that one more time that the monumental, miraculous, stupendous, a, 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 a thought so spectacular, and that God is trying to produce in you the very image of His Son. Most people have never categorized the work of God in that way, shape, and form. God is trying to produce in you His Son, Jesus Christ. In fact, could I suggest to you that your only destiny is to be made in that image? For those God foreknew, did he also predestinate to be conformed into the image of his Son? Think of how grand that is. That, that in all of the work of God, God is purposing to produce in you an image. N- not an image of you, but an image of his Son. And if you allow me to say, I think Jesus is quite spectacular. I think he's, he's awesome. Don't you think we ought to be seeing him more often? If if that's the work of God, shouldn't the manifestation of Jesus be present wherever we go? If that's the work that God has begun, unless we're reluctant to let the work get started. God is purposing to produce in you, before the return of His Son, His image in your life. Think how great that is. I think some of us capture, in essence, that if God is going to try to shape you into the image of his son, well, that's a tough work to do. Touch a neighbor and say, it's going to be tough for you for sure. Most, most people have never really, Christians in particular, because this is the household of faith, right? The Bible says if judgment's to start, it's got to start here first. I I want you to see that if God is going to produce in you the image of his son, he's going to have to use a tool to do that. And you say, well, what preacher, what tool does God use to produce in me the image of his son? It's quite simple. God is going to test your faith. He's going to produce a trial. Let me say that one more time. I know somebody said amen. Nobody said hallelujah. I'll say it one more time. God is going to test your faith by producing a trial in your life. Listen, listen, Peter forewarns you. He says this Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though something strange happened to you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. What is he saying? He's saying quit acting like what happened to you is a matter of circumstance. Quit acting like your trial is because you're the black sheep of the family. Uh, uh, qu- quit acting like uh, the situation that happened to you is just a matter of serendipity, some, some things, some chance, some, something that happened to you, befalls you, rather than realizing that if God is purposing to produce in you the image that God is behind the trial. Will you look at your neighbor right now and say, God is behind the trial? Because I saw you come in this morning and you had a sad look on your face and you're in here all sour puss, and you didn't want to worship because you're going through some kind of trouble. When you need to realize that the reason why you're in trouble is because God is right there next to you trying to produce the image of his son. Somebody say God is going to produce it. God is going to do it. There's a good work. This is a good work. And this is the only way that God can shape that image. He's got to test your faith. You've got to go through a trial. Do you, do you know that James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, said, brethren, count it all joy when you face diverse temptations because the testing of your faith, what, produces patience, the ability to endure. He says, and let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Essential that you understand that you're going through trials because God is behind it. He's navigating it. Do you realize that if the devil was behind it, he'd already killed you? He'd already slit your throat. He'd already taken your life. Listen, brothers and sisters, if we can begin to realize that God is behind the trial, then we know that God is working with us. I think a lot of you are giving the devil too much leverage in your life. We look at trouble as the devil. Now it looks like the devil's running stuff. But if we begin to realize that it's God who's behind the trial, then you can see how much God is trying to work in you and perform in you and help you to see his image and his purpose in your life. And some of you need that trial because you've got to get closer to God. You you need a closer, more intimate walk with the Lord. You've got to get back into your Bible. You've got to get back into your prayer life. And trials produce a closeness. I've often said that sometimes some of you serve the Lord better when you're going through trials. There's some people that when they were sick, they were here before I got here to church. As soon as they got well, they left. We don't see them anymore. I think there's a lot of us in here that we serve the Lord a lot better when we're going through something. Then we're dedicated. When the doctor says, you got something, we don't even know what to call. All of a sudden, you're calling on the house of God. You're calling on the preacher. You're calling on the family of faith. Listen, I'm here to tell you, trials produce a closeness. That's the intention of God. I think there's a lot of people in here that have gone through trials and adversities, and all you are is hurt. All all we are is discouraged. All we're doing now is murmuring and complaining, not realizing that God is trying to shape you. And there's one thing I've learned about God is that if we complain, God will give you... There's a back door to every trial. How many know there's a back door to every trial? You can take that back door. The problem is God's going to put you back in the house again. You're going to learn the lesson. Look at your name and say, God's not going to give up on you. You're going to get it one way or another. So why not learn it the first time? There's too many backdoor Christians. We're we're in a cycle in our faith. We're not learning that which we have to apprehend in the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, God is very patient. And God is not up in heaven wondering when it's going to get done. He's just a patient God. And he's going to take you through it again. So I encourage you today to realize that if you've got a problem. How many today got a problem? You got a situation in your life. You got something. That's God. That's God. That's G-O-D. That's him. Let's do that one more time. How many got a problem, situation, thing? You need something. That's God. G-O-D. He's working in you. So you can celebrate it. How many are thankful that if God's behind it, we know there's benefit to it. Something's going to happen out of that. And it's just so essential because that process, that understanding is the bedrock of the covenant of God. Do you know that the covenant, God said, I'm going to bless you. Do you know that the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for the good to them. Listen, that love God, that are called according to his purpose. Does anybody know that verse, right? That means that the world goes through stuff and they're just going through stuff because they're in the world. There's no benefit to their trouble. There's, there's, no, there's no thing, no good thing going to come of that. Only the children of God can stand up and say, I know that everything I'm going through, God's going to work it out for the good. And something good going to happen. God's going to manifest here. Have you ever thought for a moment that your trial is an opportunity for you to manifest the glory of Christ? How many know today what we need to see in the world is Christ manifested? We need to see the glory of God again. We need to see Christ manifested. And we just need somebody to hang around long enough in the trial that they're going through to say, I'm not moving until God shows up. I'm going to stand here until the glory of God is revealed. And when we stand there and we trust the Lord and we say, God, you're going to manifest yourself here, we produce a testimony before the Lord. And this is how we witness and we proclaim to the world that doesn't know God, that there's glory in God. You know, glory, goodness. How many believe that God is good? How many like to say God is good all the time, all the time God's good? Listen, well, is he or is he not? If he's all the time a good God, let him be good all the time. All the time means when you're going through stuff and when you're going through trial, when you got an adversity, God's going to be good there. Somebody say hallelujah. Look at your name and say God's going to be good in your trouble. And he manifested that. He, 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 he engineered that. A believer does not live by circumstance. We are not living by happenstance. Brothers and sisters, listen. Everything that's going on in a believer's life is circumspect to the mind of God. My life has purpose in every way, shape, and form. And God is behind that purpose because he's trying to shape in me the image of his son. It takes a long time for that to happen takes a long time, because we're unwilling. Nobody likes to be pressed, nobody likes to be tested, but it's the way that God produces the image. And brother and sister, I'm here to tell you, we have to stop complaining about what we're going through. And whenever we face a trial or situation, we've gotta realize that this is an invitation for God to say, I wanna manifest the glory, the goodness. So in every situation, God said, I'm gonna manifest goodness. In your problem, God's going to manifest something great, something spectacular. God's going to show you himself. God's going to reveal himself. God's going to demonstrate his character and his nature to you since your faith might grow. Because faith is always grounded in the character of God. And friend, if you don't know that God is a deliverer, if you don't know that God can do it, if you've never been around a God who's able, I want to introduce him to you. Hang around long enough in your trouble to see the goodness of God manifest so that people around you would say, listen, I want to know what you know, because if that had been me, I'd have been running scared. And I want people to see that the Christian has a faith in God that says, listen, I'm going to stand here. I don't have to do anything, but stand on the promise and stand in belief with God and God will manifest himself. God going to do a good thing. You got trouble, good for you. You got some trouble in your life, good for you. That means that God is working in you. He's going to perfect you. And you need that. You need every bit of that. If God's going to make you, if that's the purpose of God, to make you like Jesus, you need all the trouble you can get. Will you, will you get up right now and go find somebody and tell them, you need all the trouble you can get. Get up right now and go hug somebody and say, you need all the trouble you can get. We got we to gotta lay this down with somebody. Go, go look at somebody who's... Who's frowning? Who who doesn't look happy? Say, you need all the trouble you can get, brother. You need all the trouble you can get. You need all of that. You need all the trouble you can get. God is behind it. God is behind it. God is behind it. God is behind it. How marvelous that is. How marvelous that is. How marvelous. I I don't want to come to church no more and see your sad face no more. I don't want to see it no more. I don't want want to see you you on Facebook complaining about this, that, and the other. Grow up and let's get on with the business of God. Get rid of all of your strife and your anxiousness. Quit being so closed off with God. This is the process. Get on with it. Nobody told you it's going to be easy. God said, I'm going to be with you. You you just have, listen, we just have to mature. It's just just a matter of maturity. And sometimes that that maturation process comes with knowledge. You need to know that God is the one who engineered the problem. I'm not telling you God made you sick because God tempted no man with evil. I'm not here saying that God gave you some strange thing, uh, 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 you know, on the tip of your nose, and you don't know how that war got there. And, you know, I'm not saying God is inflicting that kind of damage but I'm here to tell you in the world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. It's amazing how how cheerful less we become when we're going through trials. It proves your immaturity in the process. Brothers and sisters, you're going to go through. One way or another, God's going to take you through that. So you better get over yourself and get over to God because he's going to take you through one way or another. Because he's trying to produce the image of his son. we got to get with that. Listen, if, if you start thinking that way, that every trial, everything is for the purpose of manifesting Christ and the glory of Christ, then you can see just how much work God is doing. And how difficult that work has become. So essential that we get that. So essential that you stop being hurt by trouble and that you start being moved by trouble. Let me say that one more time. It's essential because a lot of people, when they get hurt, they just stop. Uh, they're, they're caught dead in their tracks. They are no longer moving towards God. Now they're in places of self-consideration. Isn't that what trials do? You start to consider yourself. Isn't that the ploy of the enemy to get you to look at your trouble through your own eyes rather than the eyes of God? God. Does, does this happen to you that you get a trial and then you start thinking about what you have to go through and the pain that you're enduring and you get into all these sympathies and self realization? Well, God says, I don't want you to realize yourself. The trial comes so that you'll realize who I am. We got a lot of people just dead in their tracks, they're not even in the faith. I, I'm trying to push you into the covenant. I'm trying to carry some of y'all limping and some of you that are blind and walk you over to the covenant of God where God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. And we've just got to get out of these things and all all of these crutches that we've put up before God and get on with seeing the process the way God sees it. Because once you start realizing that your trouble, your problem, your situation is the hand of God upon you and the purpose of God to produce the image of Christ then we can say let's get on with business. If God's behind it, I want to be with it. I want to co-labor with the will of God. It's time you stop being hurt. It's time to move. Do do you know that the trial that you're going through is God's attempt to move you to himself? Let let me, let me, let me, let me say it again. Did you know that the trial you're going through is God's attempt in you to cause you to come closer to him? Let me say that one more time. I I think some of y'all didn't catch that. That the trial that you're in, the trouble, the situation... Whatever you want to, however you want to qualify, it's God's attempt to get your attention onto Him, onto His ability, who He is. It's not so that you can consider yourself, it's so that you will consider Him, and there's the distinction. Because once we begin to tie our faith back into God, then our faith can begin to rise up, right? Our faith begins to blossom in us. He's trying to draw you to Himself. Somebody say hallelujah. Your trial is an invitation to see God for who he is. I mean, don't you want to see God? Everybody say, I want to see God. I want to see God. You want to see me? I'm going to give you some trouble. You can see me very clearly. Come on, somebody. I'm going to give you you a 20-20 vision if you really want to see me. But I'm going to put something on you that opens up your eyes. You know, I used to say this all the time. It's been a long time since I said it. But I used to tell people, be careful about telling God, uh, God, give me more faith. Because the way God hears it is, oh, you want more trouble. B- because I'm here to tell you, brothers let me tell you what, what, what your issue, your issue is in faith, your issue is unbelief. Jesus said if you had the grain as a sign of faith, as a, as, a, as a grain of a mustard seed, you could tell mountains to move out of the way, trees uproot themselves. The issue is in faith, your problem is unbelief. Your problem is unbelief. We just don't believe God will do it. You know, there's a lot of people. There's three categories of people in the church today. There's, there's people who don't know the word. Let me say it one more time. There's people that don't know the word. Friend, let me tell you something. You need the word of God. It's our first ability to apprehend the knowledge of God simply by reading. And reading in the Holy Spirit. Then there's another group of people in here. We got people who don't know the word. We got people who don't know who God is. Do you realize that Jesus said eternal life is the knowledge of him? Do you want to have heaven in your life? How many want to go to heaven? You know, you don't have to wait to go. You can have it right now. That's the problem. That's a fallacy in the church, right? We're always thinking, oh, when I get over to heaven, things are going to be a lot better when I get over there, man, Sweet Beulah land. I'm coming home. Yeah, please, brother. You can have heaven right here, right now. It's called no, the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is eternal life. That means I can have heaven here on earth. You need your word. You need a knowledge of God. You know what else? You need to know who you are in Christ. There, there's a lot of Christians, and, and, and it's, listen, I, I'll receive some of the Blame. I'll shoulder that and say, as a man of God, maybe I haven't taught you well enough, so that you might know who you are in the Lord. Because when you capture who you are in the Lord, you know why God does what He does. You know, my children—they know they're my children. They don't—they don't have to beg me for stuff. All they got to do is ask. Y'all hear what I'm saying? My kids don't got to come and make some promise. Me and your dad—you do this, I'll do that. I'm their father. And because they know who they are, they don't have to go around, you know, like they say, around the bush trying to talk me into something. They can just ask because they're my children. Do you know my kids, when they get up in the morning, I see them, they're going to work, and I see them going through all my pantry. I hear them opening my refrigerator. I hear the microwave turn on. I hear things sizzling and popping in bags and all, and they're taking all of my food. Listen, my kids have jobs, they're professionals, and they've not once bought groceries. (laughs) They didn't pay the light bill, they didn't pay the water bill. Now see, I grew up in a time when you got your first job and you got your check, you didn't cash it, you gave your check to your mother and father, and then they gave you money from that check. How many remember those days? You, 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 you got a job and you thought you got a check. No, you don't got no check. You ain't got no check yet. You'll get your check when you leave this house. When you get your house, then you get your check. But if you're here, your check is mine. <laughs> Look at all the kids saying, what? Huh? Some of y'all remember when you got your, you, 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 they gave you the bills. And you're responsible for the electricity bill. Here's the light bill. Here's the, here's the water bill. They even might have made you mow the lawn. Can you imagine? <laughs> my, my kids just get up and they act like they're at home. <laughs> that everything in the house is theirs to use. They don't knock on my door and say, Hey, Dad, can I, can I eat some of the cereal you got in the pantry? See, when you know who you are, you access what's there. When you know you belong to the house, you're not going around asking for every little thing. You're using the things at your disposal. It belongs to you. They're home. There's a lot of people in here. Listen, you don't know how home you are. You are the sons and daughters of the Lord. You have access to the kingdom of God, and you should be pulling everything you need from God to satisfy all the needs in your life. We got a whole host of people like that. They're just not, they don't live with God like they're at home. Do you know that when God introduces yourself to you, and I've said this many times in this church, that God could have introduced Himself in any way He wanted to introduce Himself, but how does God introduce Himself to you as a father? He introduces yourself to you in a way that we all know intimately. He introduces himself to you as Abba, Father, Daddy. Some of you don't know who you are. And it amazes me because you already are what you are. You're just not acting the way you're supposed to act towards God. You're his son. You're his daughter. Man, we got a lot of maturing, right? We got a lot of maturing. We need to know who we are. We need to know who God is. And we need to get back into our word. Listen, everything that I'm saying to you, everything I'm saying about these trials, this is all predicated on the covenant. Do you you know that there was a man by the name of Abram? Now catch this. Uh, Abram and and Sarai, Abraham was roughly 10 years older than Sarai, right? And and they wanted a family, but they couldn't have one. Uh, Something in the womb of Sarai I don't know if it was a reproductive issue. I don't know what was going on. Maybe she had some some birth defect at birth. She couldn't have a child. They had a problem. They didn't even know how to turn to God for the problem. Just know that Abram is 12 patriarchs removed from Noah, from Shem. He comes from that line. He's part of the family of God. Three hundred and one years from the Tower of Babel, God was just looking for somebody that he could move. And you know, it's hard to find people who were moved to God when they're in trouble. Most people self-actualize when they're in trouble. Most of you, when you've had trouble, what you do is you consider self before you consider God. God was looking for somebody he could move. And you know, it's hard to move people. How many know it's hard to move people? People get get in a disposition and they're hard to move. You get a problem and you're even more abstinent. You're even more stubborn. You're even more self-centered when you're in trouble. And it amazes me that God had to wait 300 years to find somebody that he could move towards him. This You were there when you read it, right? God said, Abraham, listen, I want to do something for you. Uh, you know He knows he has a problem. He wants a son. Specifically, he wants a child. He, he wants to be a father, but it's long past those days. Those days are over. And he wants a child, and he's never had one, and he wants one. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, listen, I want to bless you. I want to make you a great nation. I want to make your name Great. I want to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And out of you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And in that salutation, he saw in that faith. And through that mirror of that covenant, he says, my baby's in that covenant somewhere. God didn't tell him I'm going to give you a baby. He said, I'm going to bless you. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. You you, you know the woman, how many know there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years? Uh, The physician Luke writes in Luke, I believe that's Luke chapter 10. uh, Luke writes that this woman with the issue of blood said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of the master's garment. You see, she said that for herself. That's what faith was telling her to do. To draw close to God. And man, all you got to do is, she said within herself, if I can just but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. Listen, what has faith been telling you? What declaration have you been talking about? What issue have you been going through where you've got some problem, some medical issue, and you say, man, if I can but what? If I can but go, if I can but do. What has faith been talking to you about? It's proof that you're not moved yet. It's proof, church family, that we're stuck where we are. The trial comes. The adversity comes. The sickness came to this one woman, and she said, "For twelve years she was in that condition." And when she heard of Jesus, said, if I can but touch the hem, and the Bible says that Jesus was walking and people were thronging him, he says that woman came from behind him and touched his garment, and Jesus stopped dead in his tracks and said, "Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me." So how do you know? Everybody "No, no, no. Virtue left me. Power." Powers left me. Listen, you got a problem for a purpose. You're in a trial for a purpose. It's not yours, it's God's. And God wants to manifest in that. The same covenant that God spoke to Abraham, he's speaking to every one of us today. And in that covenant is your blessing, it is your promise. If you can see it, you know that when God gave that promise, the Bible says, listen, Abraham wasn't the father of faith when he got the covenant. He became the father of faith when he left. Let me say that one more time because I think you missed it. that Abraham became the father of faith when he heard the covenant and he left. He had every, he had every facility to say, well, I'm not going. The Bible says he left. Because God's trying to move you. You can't do what God wants to do in your life where you are. And if you are where you were yesterday, you're not moving for God. God wants to move you somewhere. There's something he wants to do in you. And you can't do it being still. Faith by its virtue, by its nature, will take you where you've never been. That's the purpose of it. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me fall back. Maybe I'm going too fast. Maybe you're not hearing it. I said, the, in the covenant is your blessing. There are several covenants in the world still alive. We know that, that there's the covenant of a, of a bow, right? It's called a rainbow. I mean, how many have ever seen a rainbow before? That's God's covenant to you that he's not trying to flood you out. Because he most certainly can. Huh? There's covenants men make. And women make with God. Something called a marital covenant. Anybody know about the marital covenant? We can make a covenant with God. The, uh, the covenant that we're talking about is the Abrahamic covenant. It's a unilateral covenant. It means that God's going to keep it. Did you hear what I just said? This, this main event is God coming to Abraham saying, I want to get personal with this. I, I want to get personal with you about my nature. I, I want you to know that I'm a blesser. And I want to get personal with you concerning blessing. And I don't know if anybody wants to get personal with that. I, I want to get personal with the personal God who's personal about blessing. I wish I had a witness right there. You know, I, you know, I'm not after the blessing, I'm after God. But I know when I get God, I'm blessed. And I'm going to talk about that. There's a blessedness that comes from God. I'm going to talk about that blessedness here in a moment. But I want you to see that Abraham, when he heard the covenant, the blessing... Through the blessing, he saw his provision, and he left town. The Bible says 10 years later. 10. Somebody say 10. You know, because God is not up there saying, oh, what time is it? He doesn't have a wristwatch on his wrist. He's God. And the Bible says that, 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 that Abraham, this is, this is in the 15th chapter. Uh, and just make a note if you're making notes of this, because you may want to go back and read this. This is where, where God in a vision appears to Abraham. Uh, uh, pardon me, Abram, he's still Abram. He's not Abraham yet, he's still Abram. He, he appears to Abram in Genesis 15 in a vision. And he says, Abram, I'm your shield and I'm your reward. How many of you know that's the truth of our blessedness? He says, I'm your shield and I'm your reward. But we know what's on Abraham's mind, right? Abraham's, Lord, you have not given me a seed. And my head steward, Eliezer of Damascus, will take over all my possessions. He's my rightful heir. He's my head steward. And then God says to him, don't worry about that. He's not going to be the inheritance. I'm going to produce out of you a seed out of your own bowels. And the Bible says, and Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. I want you to hear it. This is the first time God tells Abraham, out of the blessing, I'm going to produce your baby. You know what Abraham, Abram told the Lord about the covenant? Well, how do I know for sure you're going to give it to me? How do I know that for sure I'll possess it? He says, I'm going to show you how for sure this is. I want you to go get a heifer three years old. And I want you to get a she-goat, a female goat, three years old. And I want you to get a ram three years old. And I want you to get a dove. And I want you to get a pigeon. And we're going to make a blood trench. Uh, this was a custom that the Chaldeans practiced where they would cut an animal and, and create a little trench that the blood would flow down and there would be like a, a little valley of blood. So they would cut an animal in two so that you could see, you know, the, the symbolism was that you're cutting an animal to see the inward stuff. Right. It, it's to expose everything that this this testament, this covenant is true. And so they would they, they cut a heifer, which is a sign. This is all a picture of Jesus. This is all a picture of Jesus. That here's a heifer being cut, which is a sign of servitude. He's the beast of burden. That beast of burden is bleeding in the trench. They got that she-goat, which is the sign of Christ's humility. The sign of the church, right? It's humility. And they cut that she-goat, and that she-goat, that female goat, is bleeding into the trench. Then they get that ram, which is a sign of the consecration of the priest, the priesthood, which is Christ. And they cut that ram, and that ram is bleeding into that trench. They get the dove, which is a sign of his origin, his heavenly origin. And that, 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 they don't cut it, but they tear it so it bleeds into uh, the blood trench. And they got that pigeon, which is a sign of Christ's poverty. And they rip that, that, that pigeon, and it bleeds into the trench. And Abraham waited all day for God to show up. While he was waiting on God, birds came. They started to pick at the carcass. You know the birds? A sign of demonic picking. You remember the story of the parable that Jesus taught that some seed is cast and it hits on stony ground. The birds come and they pick it right up, has no place to get rooted. Then other seed falls and it falls in the cracks and crevices where there's just enough soil to uh, allow the seed to absorb. But then as soon as the sun comes up, because it doesn't have any root, it dries up. And then there's some seed that when it's scattered, it falls into, into the thrush, into the brush. And, and when it grows up, it's choked out by the other stuff that's growing next to it. Right? You, you, you get all these illustrations, right? Jesus taught these things. That sometimes our ground is hard and nothing can grow there. Come on, somebody. And sometimes we're just so shallow that the seed comes. A man comes to preach to you. A preacher comes who's preaching faith because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And how can they hear unless a preacher comes? And the preacher comes to tell you that God will do it, but it's falling on shallow places. And it doesn't get rooted. And sometimes you hear me say this, but then you go back to the busyness of your life and you lose everything. But some of that seed gets planted in good places. And it yields back 30, 60, and 100 times that which was sown. Yeah. Brother and sisters, I'm here to tell you that Abraham fought those birds all day. Oh I think there's a lot of people who ain't fighting no birds anymore. Oh. We're not shooing off the demonic origins and the demonic doubt that comes from the seed of the word that's trying to be planted in your life. And he went all day fighting until he was so exhausted. The Bible says when he sat down, he went into a trance. In fact, the scriptures say that he went into a deep sleep, and in that deep sleep, God appeared. He said, Abraham, I'm going to keep this covenant. You're not going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. And the Bible says that Abraham saw, listen, a smoking furnace go through the trench, the blood trench. A smoking, What's a smoking furnace? This is the wrath of God being consumed in Christ. This is Jesus saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The moment that God took all of man's sins and consumed it, it's a burning furnace. And that consumption is moving through the blood. God's wrath is being satisfied. What follows after that wrath, that that smoking furnace? But a burning lamp. The brightness of the sun. Shining in the Holy Spirit through that blood. God said, that's the proof that I'm going to keep it. It's the foreshadow of Christ. You know why? And I'm going to say this to the church. And in fact, if you have your Bible, let me do this with you because I've got to be mindful of the time. Open your Bible to Hebrews 6. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, there are illusions to this specific event in the Bible in these particular chapters. Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, beginning at verse 13. God says this, when when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely, blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying, multiply thee. Are you all there? He says, and after and so after he had patiently endured, what does the Bible say? He obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater. Are y'all there? For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God are are you there? Willing more abundantly to show unto who? The heirs of promise. Listen, the immutability of his counsel. Confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things. How do I know that I'm going to be blessed? By two things. One, God doesn't lie. How do I know that what's happened in my life, that blessing will derive from from where I am? Because one, God, it is impossible for God to lie. The Bible says we should have what? Strong consolation. Who have fled for refuge? Shall lay hold of the hope that is set before him. How many of you know we have confident expectation in God? The Bible says which hope is what an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. Are you there with me? I'm reading. I'm, I'm just quoting it to you. You see it right there. The Bible says that that's internet. what within the veil. What does the Bible say? Even the forerunner. Has entered in for us. Even Christ. Brother and sister, who was made a high priest forever after what? The order of Melchizedek. This is the expression. Listen, I know that I know that I know that I'm coming through and that the blessing is sure to me. Why? Because I belong to God. He made the covenant. Now watch this. Uh, Go go, go to Romans 4. Go to Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. And, 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 And I want you to get this into your spirit. Get this into your spirit. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? I mean I know these scriptures. Man, I don't got to look at my Bible. I'm, I'm, a, I'm already dressed in these things. I live in the word, right? What are we going to say that Abraham found? Are you there? For if Abraham were justified by works then he have thereof to glory but not before God. But what say the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. Look how Paul says it. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. In other words, a man that works expects a paycheck. A, A man that works, when he gets paid, he doesn't feel like they're doing him a favor says, I've earned this check. But look what Paul says. But to him that worketh not, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him who justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Are y'all there? Then Paul gets into the expression of Psalms 32, which I believe all of us... Listen, I want to invert your blessing today, and I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you something, because we got a problem with blessing in the church, and I'm going to teach it to you. I want to invert this in your mind. Why? So, so, so what, what, is, what does Paul say about David? But as, but as David also described it, the blessedness of a man... That God will impute what? Righteousness without works. And he quotes David. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. Listen, whose sins are covered. Blessed, right? Blessed is the man. Blessed. Blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin. Brethren, sisters, do you know today, listen, I want to to describe your blessedness. Today we got a problem in the church because people think that the blessing is material. Could I suggest to you that there are people who hate God that got more stuff than you do? And if you think that your fancy car and your nice house is an evidence of your relationship, your right relationship with God, you've got another thing coming. Because there's a lot of people that live in this world that never have near what you have, but are blessed of the Lord. What is, what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? Because I'm here to tell you, I have blessed things because I'm blessed. It's not inverted, it's not the other around. There's a lot of people that come to church because they're just after the blessings. They have no actualization of the covenant of God. The covenant of God with Abraham was this: you will be right in my sight. You will walk with me. Now watch this. Marty, will you put up? I want I want to go through the seven promises of the covenant. There are seven promises. I want you to watch this these promises are true they're true then they're true now they're true in my life he says I'm gonna show you D- do you know that Abraham was out his son his nephew Lot they were so blessed the multiplicity of the blessing became so great that they outgrew the land where they were grazing it was Abram at the time now Abraham told his nephew Lot, listen, you go you pick one way, I'll go the other and we know that Lot saw the, the, the valley of, of, of Jordan that it was like the garden of Eden and he went that way and the Bible says he pitched his tent towards Sodom Abraham went the opposite direction to the valley of Memory. it wasn't as nice as the valley of Jordan but when he got there you see, because he believed that in that choice in making himself second, God would put him first Y'all didn't hear what I just said. You see, he was trusting God. He was in the blessing. He said, wherever I go, I'm blessed. Whatever is happening to me, I'm blessed. I can be in a dry place. I can be in a water place. I'm still blessed. You can put me wherever you want to put me, and blessings are going to show up because I'm the blessed of the Lord. I'm the blessedness of God. Circumstances don't don't dictate my blessedness. And you know what God said? God said, You see, I'm going to show you. You know what he did? He says, Abraham, look to the north. Look to the south, look to the east and the west. I'm giving you all of that, I'm giving that to you. He never would have saw that unless he perceived himself to be the blessedness of the Lord. He said, one I'm going to show you." He said, "I'm going to make a great nation out of you." Do you know today that that uh, uh, to be a nation you need people, you need land, you need government government. Do you know today that we're part of the kingdom of God? God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless you because you're my son. Do you realize that? That the blessing doesn't come because of what he did. The blessing came because who he was positionally with God. Do you know today that you're a son of God, a daughter of God, and because of that, you're blessed? That you are the blessedness of God? He said, look, I'm going to make your name great. Not only was he a father to Isaac, but he's the father of us all do you know that that name Abraham's name still carries on with us because we're the children of Abraham listen I'm living in the covenant I live in the covenant why because I'm a blessed man I'm the blessedness of the father not because I've got blessings but because I've been blessed of the Lord I'm in right relationship I'm righteous before God are y'all catching this He said, listen, do you know you have the ability to bless? How many know you can bless? Listen, when I bless you, I bless you because I have the power to bless and so do you. How many know we can curse? Give you a testimony. This past week, I had some family members call me with COVID. And I so appreciate when people call because what they're doing is they're not running away from God, they're running to God. Uh, I had a family member uh, this this past week. Who uh, and I shared this testimony on Wednesday Uh, this is my uncle who went to the hospital and they told him listen he didn't want to be admitted because they wanted to put him on a respirator and he says no I don't want to be on a respirator because you put people on respirators they die and they said well sir listen if you leave this hospital three doctors came in and said if you leave here you'll most certainly die tonight in your bed he said I'm leaving when he got home my aunt called me and I prayed a prayer to curse COVID. And do you know instantly he got well? Just yesterday, day before yesterday, they said, on Friday, she called and said, listen, I tested positive. He, he had COVID, now I got it. And she says, when I was texting you to call me to pray, I felt the Holy Spirit already moving. And then I called her and I says, Aunt Lorraine, in the name of Jesus, I curse that COVID in your body. And she says instantly my body reacted and instantly I felt the power of God and I was walking in hell instantly when we prayed. Because you see when two or three of us come together agreeing by touching any one thing that whatever we ask shall be given to us. Right? Because we're in the covenant. We can bless and curse. What does the Bible say down here? It says I'm going to bless all the famous on earth through you.